Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to My First Business, the podcast. I'm your host, Naeem Parvez, and I'm a relatively new and sometimes clueless business owner. And I wanted to talk to seasoned entrepreneurs to help guide me and inspire me and help me understand the best way to grow my own business. So I wanted to learn about what mistakes to avoid, how to overcome common challenges, and how to identify opportunities. And that's why I created this show for you, dear listener. So if you're running a new business or an old one, I don't care. I'm not an ageist. I bring on guests from all sorts of industries and they are full of wisdom that you'll chew right up. And each episode is going to be like a conversation with a mentor that you never had. This episode is brought to you by Digitalina. Now, I might be a bit biased as the owner of the business, but I think we've cracked the code when it comes to lead generation for service-based businesses. My co-founder, who also happens to be my wife, and I have spent years building out our own system of advertising that gets businesses new, high-quality leads, day in and day out, all on autopilot. To find out if we can do this for you and what kind of results you can expect, Let's schedule a free discovery call using our website. That's www.digitalina.io. Now, without further ado, let's get on to the episode. Just a quick note, this is part two of the conversation. If you missed part one, please go back to the previous episode so you can enjoy the full interview. Here's the question then. Who do you call most at 2 a.m. in the morning for business advice for yourself? No one. I don't talk about business at 2 a.m. <laughs> um, but I do uh, I do think about my business a lot at 2 a.m. Sometimes, yeah. right? I mean, you know, we all have those sleepless nights. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think in that aspect, I've been very, very, very lucky. Um, I've had some great mentors over the years um, only because, you know, my business model requires that. Right. So uh, most of the people that I work with are consultants themselves and a lot of them depend on us uh, for increasingly a larger part of their business. Right. So in 2017, um, some of the firms that were serious about their participation in our model, you know, we had 200 firms who signed up, maybe only 20 of them were really serious about it. The the other 180 were, uh, you know, let's try it out. It's free. Right. Um, so, um, those 20 firms, uh, they gave us some really good advice and really good, uh, mentorship about how our model should, uh, be, how we should run our business because it would affect their business. Right. Um, those 20 firms relied on us for one project a year when we started. Now they rely on us for about 50% of their revenue, uh, in the year. And they're integral parts of our business. And they're all people with 20, 25 plus years of experience, some of them more. And they, I just happen to be lucky that, you know, I have them as mentors as well. All of them have been, uh, you know, in business for five years, eight years, 10 years as consultants, of course. So I'm really, really lucky. Um, I have other mentors who are not involved in the business. Um, One of the things, again, uh, you can call it chance, but uh, I was invited to be a part of this group, a mastermind um, a group, um, just four people on that group. And we meet once a month, discuss challenges that we have in our business, um, 
you know, the others, again, lucky for me, have more experience in running businesses than I do. Um, and uh, I use that as a great sounding board um, or that forum as a great sounding board. Use them as a great uh, way to discuss challenges, um, improve our business model and and i tell them everything about my business the good parts the bad parts and that's what you need right when you're talking to a mentor you need to be as honest and as open with them and you need to tell them you need to they need to spend time with you you need to spend time with them and they need to understand the intricacies of your business right and i think um, you know going back to the start of our conversation where you talked about you need a consultant for your business I really don't think, you know, any small business needs a consultant, right? Uh, small business owners either need a coach, a mentor, or an advisor, right? A coach, someone who would push them, and or don't need to have all three, right? A coach, someone who would push them, you know, more fatherly, more, you know, performance-oriented. Uh, mentor, more motherly, um, you know, uh, more advisory, more as a guide, etc. And uh, and they don't necessarily need to be from your business, right? And then you need advisors and your advisors, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think they can be paid advisors, right? I, I just don't think um, it'll work great as a, as a relationship. You wouldn't be able to afford them. Uh, I can't afford an advisor for my business. No way. Um, uh, they wouldn't so it has to be someone who's uh sort of uh, you know do a free mentorship session like this yeah yeah great idea uh, right? podcast. <laughs> do, do, do a podcast i get all of these like yeah. each episode yeah. is either a coach or a mentor yeah. or an advisor yeah. or all yeah. three in one yeah uh, i love the framing of that the the coach is more of the the one that pushes you forward gives that motivational like when you're on your ninth push-up he says you can do two more yeah that's what they're trained for right? yeah yeah that's the what they're trained for. Mentor is more of like a listener who's, you know, sharing their wisdom by letting you come to your own conclusions. And the advisor is a bit more hands-on, I'm guessing. In like I I don't see the distinction between advisor and the other two as yeah. much. Is it advisor like are you thinking of like someone who's on like the board a of father? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So coach, yeah. father, uh, mentor, mother, grandfather, right? I mean, yeah. has a lot more experience, uh, is a lot more wiser than you, yeah. uh, is from the same business, mm -hmm. um, can give you, um, you know, can remove uh, themselves from your situation and then give you um, sort of objective advice, yeah. I would say. How would you say you create um, value back for this relationship? Because, you know, what, what, pisses mentors off is it becomes a give 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 kind of situation to a point where they don't want to see you or talk to you anymore right so you if you are investing time um, or if someone's investing time in you what's a nice way to you know give back and it doesn't have to be physically give something yeah, back but you know what i found for myself and i want to add more to this is just be respectful and not waste the time that I've been given and, you know, not become a burden, even though you go to these people with problems mostly, right? Not always about, Hey, this is a new opportunity. Can you help me figure this out? Like for me, at least right now it's 80, 20, 80% problems and 10, 20% opportunities. So how, how do you suggest, or how do you keep these relationships engaging on, on both fronts and make it long lasting as long lasting as possible, especially if you are getting value from it, you're enjoying the relationship. How do you give back 
and make sure that the relationship lasts for as long as possible. Yeah, when you when you're an entrepreneur, um, and so if you're an executive, right, it's completely different, right? Mm-hmm. So you can afford to pay a coach, and you can afford to pay a good coach, a professional coach, um, and it's a completely different uh, uh, relationship, yeah. a, a completely different dynamic, right? Um, uh, when you're a small business or an entrepreneur yourself, I think you need to find these advisors, mentors, um, uh, even coaches, um, uh, not coaches as much, but definitely mentors and advisors from within, um, you know, your friend circle, business circle, um, a place like, uh, you, you know, a, a co-working space, for example, um, yeah so they need to I be really a bit more organic the whole relationship the uh, the starting point or genesis of the relationship is not the mentorship the starting point was something else and it happens to have flavors of mentorship in there will that be yeah that that's be how it's worked out it? for me to be honestly yeah uh, to be honest um that's how it's worked for me um in most cases i think one of my mentors in his words likes to likes to spend time with younger entrepreneurs in he's a very very successful entrepreneur himself has about 20 businesses in his portfolio mm-hmm. uh, 20 successful businesses no debt ever um in his business of course um so uh, for example he just says that he likes spending time with uh people younger than uh, than him it keeps him young right um, so that's enough for him too. Yeah, that's enough for him. I, of course, uh, recently have started doing business with him as well, which is a, a great, um, you know, reason for him to meet me and uh, spend more time, etc. Right. Um, at the end of the day, um, you know, there has to be something in it for the other person. Right. Um, in the case of uh, another mentor, um, you know, uh, you know, he's a part of the mastermind and uh uh, I think uh, he's written a book about um, you know entrepreneurship and uh, has great advice to offer in on that front and I think he likes um, uh, you know uh, sharing that advice and so on uh, in the case of advisors I think they should be when you're a small business an entrepreneur a startup uh, they should be involved in your business in some way or the other mentors can be more organic etc and coach if you can afford it um i think it's a great idea uh, i was really lucky one of my business partners was a coach because you know on our platform what we had done is uh, besides providing just management consulting we experimented during covid to try and provide legal services and coaching and mm-hmm. training and other professional services and marketing and advertising and so on and we set up a sort of sort of mini platforms and one of my partners was a um uh, was a coach is a coach um and uh, i think every conversation with him was a learning experience right because he has so many frameworks that he's sort of that that's the good thing someone who's become a professional coach um they've had great coaches themselves i think that's the only way that model works if i'm not wrong right so what you do is you um go to a coach that coach trains you on how to become a coach and then uh, enables you to get your certification so some of them have had world-class coaches who have sort of trained them helped them to become a coach and i've got some amazing frameworks to apply in my business from a coach highly recommended i haven't paid for a coach yet yeah but 
highly highly recommend it it's almost like having someone else read all the books for you and just come with the with the notes of like the most important pieces you yeah, know absolutely <laughs> absolutely um yeah i'm gonna switch gears again um as i do as i will um to something completely different um maybe related because you you had me thinking about affording coaches and affording things i'm just talking about pricing now uh and without probably getting into details of how what you charge but the commonality between us is we charge for intellectual services right at the end of the day absolutely there's a bit of like yes clicking and and typing that needs to be done that can be commoditized but majority of the price that we promote like we work on retainer models for example we have a monthly fixed fee maybe there's some commission on top for for results but um we're always trying to figure out pricing for ourselves so we have a different uh different models to look at we either look at competition okay what's the going rate in the market absolutely worst experience there because what we offer has looks so commoditized looks it, it isn't but it looks so commoditized that you have people in different parts of the world doing it for ten dollars <laughs> yeah. and there's people on the other side of the world doing for ten thousand dollars for the exact same thing yeah and some of those ten dollar guys are really good And some of those ten thousand dollar guys are really bad, you know, like <laughs> absolutely on, on both sides. So, absolutely. So that doesn't work for us because there's no point doing averages. There's no point doing that. So we started looking at okay, how much can we um, get away with, right? That was the other strategy we tried. Okay, let me just throw out a number to the client, see if they accept yeah. it or not. And if I have ten leads that I'm following up with in my CRM, and all they all have been given proposals. and you know they they're all ab testing our price we gave them this price how much how many of them balked um and then we start figuring out okay for this size company this price doesn't scare them for this size company that doesn't but it's a constant iteration for us because we're at the end of the day trying to figure out it's not a widget i can't just apply a margin so i'll tell you another thing we did we started calculating time that we spent on every task we started doing the whole model of like okay it's going to do you must have hated you for that absolutely and, you know and i said yeah. you know there's this timer thing on the browser yeah. just click oh, on it God. and and see yeah. is like like no don't worry i'm not going to like you know blame you for not working yeah, so that's no fun for anyone no way. because yeah. you know why i stopped that because i wouldn't do it myself and if i wouldn't do it myself i can't ask someone it's the biggest reason i left the larger firms because all large firms maintain time sheets yeah. right yeah. and trust me uh if uh i did my exit interview um and i might have even said it in my exit interview these time sheets are the worst invention in uh productivity management right absolutely yeah right. so sorry go ahead no no, so, no. But, it's yeah. it we yeah. can i can uh, i can talk really bad stuff about that so <laughs> protect some egos <laughs> there there but how do you view pricing for a client what's your philosophy on it on a high level um and how has it changed from the first time we did business just back when you started zig edu to now even though they're completely different businesses but the underlying frameworks and the models of how you yeah, think similar. of pricing yeah. how do you how do you come up with your prices um uh, so uh, i've learned a lot from the larger firms of course um so um law firms accounting firms uh many consulting firms do more hour based pricing so what you do is you come up with a hourly rate and you say that on this project uh, manish is going to spend 6 days varun is going to spend 4 days devana is going to spend 20 days and so on right um 
so that's one way. Um, well, how do you then, figure out the hourly rate? Is that uh, yeah, an aspirational absolutely. rate or? Um, we, we're sort of lucky because, you know, again, we've been in the industry so long that we've figured out what the large, I know exactly what, um, you know, McKinsey charges per week, uh, and then the next, which is BCG and Bain charge per week, and then what PWC, KPMG, EY and Deloitte charge, and then, you know, because, and then what boutique firms charge, and we know it really, really well. But uh, the other thing that I would um, sort of think that firms should consider, because this is one way, the other way is value-based pricing, right? At the end of the day, how much value, how much value are you going to add to the client and how much percentage of that is that client willing that to share with to you? you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's uh, sort of in a mix of the two. Uh, but the important thing, and um, uh, uh, Simon Sinek uh, says this um, around the purpose of a business is not to make money, right? Just like the purpose of a car is not to um, make fuel, right? Fuel just helps the car run, right? The purpose of a car is to go from point A to point B. The purpose of a business is, uh, the purpose of your business is to, um, you know, create impactful marketing campaigns and add revenue to your clients, right? The purpose of my, do you, or, do you, or more. Would you like a sales job at company? <laughs> That's exactly it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Perhaps, and um, and maybe it should be a little elevated than yeah. that. I just said because but the it essence. is the first thing, but the essence, yeah. right? Yeah. The purpose of my mon- uh, my business is to, um, you know, solve clients' problems through uh, wisdom rather than analysis, right? Because the larger firms do analysis like and then give um, uh, advice based on analysis and some experience, some benchmarking. Uh, in our case, um, you know, we create impact through wisdom and experience, right? Uh, because we run an experience model. Um, so, uh, but the purpose of the business is not to make money, but you need money to survive as a business. And a car will not go go from point A to point B without fuel. Similarly, a business will not go from point A to point B without, and it doesn't have to be revenues, right? There could be many other ways for a business to go from point A to point B. It could be external funding if your business justifies that. Um, if you're not a profit organization, you know, like uh, uh, you said, uh, the translation Duolingo. 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 Uh, if um, the founder did not want it to be a profit-making entity, he could have easily found a different way of, you know, it could have been funded by the UN, the UN for yeah. example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's it's a very, very important, it's very important that you get your pricing model right, but don't think only about cost basis, but also value basis. And at the end of the day, you know, it, most things across the globe are getting demonetized. Uh, like I said, the $10 guys are doing an amazing job. Why would someone pay $10,000, right? Uh, honestly, the only reason someone will pay $10,000 for something that is available for $10 is because of perceived trust in the $10,000. And of course, you should go about creating that trust and creating that brand and creating that premium. And those are great ways. But what every business I think should be looking at is to try the same, uh, try and offer the same service, the same um, value 
uh, at a lower and lower price right and still make money while doing it um so if um uh, you know uh if uh, that is your goal then i think you'll get your pricing yeah pricing right i think i think like the essence of what you're saying is like focus on delivering the value first like do the thing that you said you will do mm-hmm. uh make an impact a positive impact on whoever you're doing it for mm-hmm. and then you will be compensated accordingly yeah um and you know partly the market decides what you will be comp- compensated for and let's say you you think you're creating a lot of value like with our advertising we do we can immediately see the ROI because it's linked directly to like there's no better way there's no better marketing um than advertising because every dollar earned is linked to a certain campaign right. versus something like a website you built a website how much web money did that website make we don't know um or you did SEO you wrote like five blog articles how how much revenue did that make you we don't know probably some but with an ad campaign you can so we try to keep that return on ad spend calculation right at the top but what we're learning from some of uh, the masterminds that we're in with other agency owners they're saying that you know what you're able to charge is just your own mental limitation um and these are kids like 24 25 and they're charging ridiculous amounts but they're providing value too but they have shorter retention span so this is where we the competition comes in we the market decides for you so you get away with your ridiculous pricing but you get away for 8 months yeah. because someone else cold calls a client cold emails a client say like hey i can do all of this what are you paying $8000 a month i can do it for four and yeah. then the market decides for you that that wasn't the right price uh, for you so do right. you i think uh, you know too many uh, uh, professional services uh, business owners uh think it's about maximizing um uh, you know share of wallet right so for yeah. each client uh, how much more can i make out of that client how much can you squeeze how much can you squeeze that's it i think is is a short term approach uh, sort of yeah. you should you should charge what's fair and um you know um ch- change your business model in such a manner that uh, you're able to survive and thrive as a business while charging uh, fair uh, charging your clients fairly yeah i learned this yeah. lesson from a mentor a long time ago so i was in a foreign exchange trader in a past mm-hmm. life um i was the guy with the three screens uh, and i was doing a lot of corporate hedging work so working with larger organizations working on their foreign currency exposure and risk management and employing those tools like uh, fx forwards and options and helping them create like long term strategies and we would so you know let's say the client calls like hey i want to move canadian to us you know x million and what's the rate now and i had full discretion as a trader to put my markup so i'd be getting my supplier rate on the screen so i can buy your us for a dollar 20 and i can go to the client and say like dollar 25 five pips on a certain million is a good amount of money and the initial people that trained me said squeeze as much as you can So the more comfortable the client gets with you, the more the relationship builds, keep increasing that spread because they're not going to know, which was, you know, a terrible way to think about it and And it worked, right? It worked a few years back. It worked back. for a short term. And, and yeah, I think it worked for a much longer term 20 years back. 
yeah right but now it's so everything is so transparent yeah. right i mean there are so many options available yeah you know it'll it'll work for a shorter much shorter, shorter period, period of time now yeah right? but you're more likely to burn relationships that way until i moved to a different team with a mentor and he said like he had relationships with these clients for 10 years mm-hmm. he could literally charge whatever he wants because he knows he's bringing he didn't yeah. out of good conscience and he that's what he trained me for is like look i know i can be making double triple the money mm-hmm. but it's not um i don't want to be caught being that guy who took more than i should have like are we meeting our targets yes are we living a comfortable and he was making decent money he was making quarter million dollars a year by not overcharging his clients Yeah. And this was the top trader in the company. He had the biggest book of business in the company. And I said, "You are not gouging your clients. All the small guys are." So, that was a lesson for me and we're we're trying to like take that as much as we can with our current uh, pricing too. Yeah, it's a very sca- scarcity mindset approach, right? Um is I have only these six clients. How can I make the most out of them? But there is 60 million other companies that you can be working Absolutely. with. and instead of getting six clients you can get 20 clients spend the same amount of time and charge them fairly right and build a team uh, with you right if you can't do it alone build a team around you that can actually um, yeah help you with that right i think unfortunately too many boutique consulting firms think like that as well and they lose out on so many projects just because they do that right yeah they think oh um i've got this really large name client um why don't i i would have done this for company a for $100,000 why don't i charge them 250,000 because i don't know uh, when my next big client is going to um, um sort of arrive right um so what they do is because they're waiting for clients most of the time anyway right um and then uh, but that client knows that it's not worth 250,000. They probably didn't 10 years back. And they can smell they your do. commission breath too. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so uh, you just shouldn't in general uh, you should um yeah, if you've created a great brand name for yourself and uh you know, you provide so everything that you um charge for you should provide something in return right so yeah. when a larger consulting firm is charging a higher rate uh, they deserve that they've they've taken 60 years to create that brand absolutely they're an insurance uh, policy a rubber stamp for uh, the client who's sort of taking them on and they deserve it right absolutely. so um, if someone who spent 30 years working in a certain industry um you know charges a higher rate because they have that kind of experience i'm not saying that's that's wrong right But what i'm saying is that if your um you know if your pricing isn't uh, optimized you're going to fail yeah absolutely i mean this whole um thing about you know the knowing where to hit the nail yeah. uh, versus just doing the action of hitting the nail yeah i someday i learned to tell that story better cuz i want to tell my kids when i have them about that story cuz that that what literally is like you've earned that ability or you have earned the right to ask for that kind of fees let's say absolutely and the the other thing i wanted to mention that something you were saying in there when we got about commission breath the companies that i've worked for in the past so you have a sales pipeline but you also have an upsell pipeline which i think completely distorts the way uh you manage your relationship with your clients mm-hmm. because you get upsell targets as well so they're saying to you or management is saying like you know 
good, we're making money from like current clients, but can we make more? And they put a target on it. So you are forced to make more. What might be better instead of having an upsell pipeline, you say, how many clients will you increase value for this year? Yeah. Or what are the different ways you will increase the value of or the impact of our services to this client? And then watch the upsells just come in themselves yeah. versus setting a dollar target like, you know, three million in upsells this year. Go ahead. Mark your opportunities. Open up Salesforce. Like, where's your target list? Who have you called recently? And yeah. that just creates that kind of bad relationship with a client too, right? Because yeah. every moment you're you're just searching for like, what can I sell? What can I sell? What can I sell? Yeah. It's unfortunate, but you know, as companies grow larger, uh, you have uh, many more people to feed, um, right? And yeah, you know, that's uh, sort of the pressures, um, uh, you know, come in and uh, I mean, and you create those bad behaviors, right? But I, but I agree with you yeah. 100%, right? Um, promise uh, what you can deliver, deliver what you can promise, uh, deliver what you have promised, and then... I think you'll see clients, uh, you know, coming to you almost automatically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and over deliver if you can, if you're a smaller firm, yeah. you have to over deliver, isn't it? hundred yeah. percent all the time. We yeah. don't mind it. Like it, yeah. it truly comes from the heart at this stage of the business that we're in to Correct. go over and above and beyond. I have, if I were to do calculations, there's ROI there. If I were to do, but I don't do it because I know we're doing it from our heart and it always comes back. The karma always works out that kind of way. Um, there's an improvement relationship, longevity of client retention is longer. Um, upsells are a lot easier to come by. Like they come to us. We don't go to them to sell anything if we go over and above. And it's very hard. Uh, I, I want to talk about this actually too. Um, especially for the new generation of people coming into the workforce is, um, over and above thing is very differently perceived, right? Um, it seems like a very millennial boomer kind of thing to do. Um, and I know, and you know what it takes to close a client in a sea of consultants or in a sea of agencies, it's very hard to distinguish a couple and then to bring them on and agree on a contract and then keep them forever, um, is a big, big, pardon my French, but it's a big fucking deal. Um, so, if you have that relationship going a bit of over and above here and there at their request um, is something that, you know, it's like when you're looking for a job, if you're 24, you're out of school, you're looking for a job. That's a lot of work. You got to apply to a ton of companies. Your resume doesn't look that good. You interview a bunch of places, not all of them work out. So when you do get that job, it took a lot of work to get that job. And so when you do work on that job, a little over and above should be on your mind because what if you were to lose that job? You go back in the cycle. So I've been thinking about this over and above mentality in your organization, the people that you surround with, and I'm going into team management next, but how do you assess this kind of mentality um, around the hiring stage? And how do you cultivate this on an ongoing basis, even if if it is cultivatable, like if it's teachable? is Does it come intuitively to certain people? Can you recognize that? Does it come in lower quantities for some people? And can you improve that? What do you think about this whole over and above mentality? Um, can you uh, figure it out during the hiring process? Probably not. Um, again, I'm not an expert at, um, you know, um, uh, at reading and understanding people during the interview process. But, you know, I've made mistakes, right? And I've learned from those mistakes. 
So when I used to hire in 2017 and 2018 is very, very different from how I hire now in 2022. Um, in 2017, 2018, what I used to do is I used to do a thorough interview process and then I used to make an offer and I used to have a probation period like the larger firms. That's what I've learned, right? Um, have a probation period during the probation period, a shorter notice period, and then a longer notice period after you, you get confirmed as an employee. Um, I hire very differently now. I try to get uh, people on short projects with me first before getting them on as an employee. Um, because I find it very difficult to, um, you know, understand during the uh, the hiring process whether that person is going to bring the right skill set. Even, uh, by the way, I mean, right from PwC and productivity before that, during the hiring process, I would make the um, potential can uh, the candidate, um, uh, you know, create a presentation, present it to us, uh, meet a few people, not just one person, right? Um, but um, it doesn't work any longer, right? Because um, so, so I like uh, getting people on short projects first. It's like a trial run almost, like right? Like a trial run, right? And mm. uh, not even uh, get them on an internship, right? Not even, um, not even on probation. Get them as an intern three months, uh, see how they do, um, evaluate whether they're going to continue doing that as an employee. And even then I make mistakes, right? And, you know, people go above and beyond sometimes for, um, because uh, that's who they are. And then sometimes because uh, you're really nice to them and you they can see your sacrifices. And as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, everybody makes a lot of sacrifices. Um, I think it's important to let your team see some of those sacrifices. They won't really, really know perhaps what you're going through. Uh, but they will know to some, you know, they will, some people will, uh, you know, understand it, feel for it. Some people might not, and that's fine. Uh, but I think the people who really understand the sacrifices and the real hard work that you um, go through while um, getting a client. Uh, the other thing that I've started doing, sorry, maybe I should finish that point. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I think... Uh, there's various factors and uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure whether it can be created. Uh, right. I mean, this is some, there are some traits that sort of come in primary school and we meet most of our, um, you know, uh, team members after they've uh, graduated 20 years, 21 years. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a little difficult to inculcate. Um, uh, but everybody's capable of going over and beyond. Right. It's a matter of, um, whether they want to do it for you or not, right? Um, the other important thing is, uh, which I've started doing off late, is, um, you know, if I, I've won this client, it's for you. Uh, if you don't deliver well, then you lose the client. Um, I mean, uh, or you lose, uh, not necessarily lose your job and I'm, I'm not a heartless person as well, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult for me to sustain you if we lose this client, right? And giving accountability. So very recently we've signed on a client uh, where we're going to be doing business development for them in the Middle East and Africa. And I've told my team, like, 
I show them exactly how the revenue from that client is being distributed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it's as an example twenty five thousand dollars a month, that twenty five thousand dollars I keep only five thousand dollars. The remaining twenty thousand dollars are going to person A, B, and your team, right? And if A and B don't deliver, we lose this client, and uh, I mean that money is you lose it. I don't lose it. Yeah. Right. So I've changed my um, compensation model. to sort of link it a lot more to uh, client revenue as well uh, so uh, you know within the consolidate the pivot of consolidate as well is um, a lot of the boutique firms that are um, sort of that are currently working with us as external parties are now actually merging into consolidate so we're becoming becoming one large consulting firm slightly more traditional Mm-hmm. uh with each of the boutique firms losing their sort of brand name taking so the consolidate white brand. label almost white labeling um they're becoming partners and owners in the consolidate business and they're becoming uh owners of the business right so and the thought process there is that um you know unfortunately uh, over the years um we've created when you own a company right so it sort of becomes your um it become of course it's your baby and then you focus completely on it right and so for example if person a and person b were in pwc together they'd be great friends but then person a is going to go and create consolidate and person b is going to create presence uh, presence and they're not going to really work with each other they've created that artificial border around themselves artificial sort of company border which doesn't make a lot of sense right so what we're trying to do is trying to dissolve those borders come together we're all working towards a common cause we're not doing a great job in creating a brand name for ourselves anyway if we sort of all come together in one brand we will at least create something meaningful something something that can make impact right um and i'm so trying to collaborate instead of compete yeah i mean uh, the whole yeah. model is built on collaboration so but rather than collaborate as boutique firms almost collaborate under one single brand one single umbrella right uh, form a larger firm together but very importantly in that um all projects that we get almost all of the revenue goes to that person right so if they lose the project you know even if we've helped them win it if they lose the project they lose the revenue as simple as that mm-hmm. right um so it drives their their incentives and their behaviors and start getting aligned because of that absolutely right? they're no longer employees they're owners yeah right absolutely right. now so now their incentives are aligned you're I want to talk about yourself too so do you have you worked on a job description for yourself oh no no ever for myself yeah No, I wish I had great idea. <laughs> It's something that we we're, we're trying to do right now and um you'd be surprised not a lot of business owners do it, right? Of um, course. Have you read E-Myth Revisited by Michael Unfortunately Gerber? Unfortunately not. It's like one of the first things he recommends in the book. He's also a small business coach who's written a book and it's been standing the test of time for 20 plus years now. And um it was a bit of a overwhelm from from my end, right? I woke up one day and i didn't know how to prioritize my task list so then i asked myself what is my job <laughs> what and 
and I looked at the whole thing and, you know, first thing you do is like, okay, prioritize from one to 10. I couldn't do it. I was like, everything is a 10. Everything is a 10. How, how do I do this? So I started writing down this job description and it's eight pages long now. Um, and I was talking to a potential coach for my business and he said, your job description needs to be one page. Uh, he's like eight pages. You're mad. Either hire people to do some of the work for you or cut or stop doing some of the unnecessary work that you're doing right now that you think is important. Um, but generally speaking, though, you are aware of all the different hats that you wear in the business. So I wanted to check which hat do you enjoy wearing the most, which which one gives you the most energy, which is the most fun to do, which comes easiest to you. Um, what do you enjoy most? Like which hat, like if you were to define a section of what you do, what would that be? Um, so very broadly, yes, I'm very well aware of what my role is, even if I haven't written it. Yeah. Um, and the role keeps changing, of course, month Absolutely. on month, uh, quarter on quarter. Um, uh, and, um, at times I have told my team that look for the next three months, uh, this is my role and this is your role. So, you know, uh, let me focus on this because this is top priority for us. We won't survive if, if I don't focus on this. Right. Um, so that's, um, uh, the thing that I would love to do them, uh, love to do and spend the most time on is just bringing people together, creating connections between, and that's my whole business is based on that. Right. And that's what I'm good at. Again, going back to the thing I said, um, around that Jack Ma said really about uh, in your in your time between 40 to 50 do what you're good at mm -hmm. and what I'm good at is um, business development bringing projects in um, and most importantly connecting people right mm -hmm. uh, so I'd love to have a role in which um, uh, you know and I'm, and I'm working really hard towards that as well as um, I focus mostly on the connections between the uh, people in my uh, in in the firm, and they wouldn't be my team any longer because I'll be one person in the team as well. Once the boutique firms join us, you know, and there's about twenty boutique firms that are sort of merging to form one larger firm, um, and and then we plan to grow it to about 40, 50 boutique firms, sort of coming under one sort of larger umbrella. Um, and then what I would love to do within that sort of model is be the connection officer, right? So make connections between uh, the various people because I'm bringing most of them into the into the umbrella as well. Do you like doing puzzles? Um, uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time doing puzzles. I used yeah. to at some point, but but that's exactly what it is, right? I mean, people mm. people don't realize the kind of synergies. Uh, that can be created if you have the, you know, if you're talking to the right kind of person. Yeah, if the pieces fit. Yeah. I would do amazing as, you know, like an exhibition uh, event manager. Mm -hmm. I would do amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like a another, host, a host for life. a big gala. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, one of the things I want to do... Um, I want to get to 50 episodes for this podcast and then I want to, I want to throw a big, big, big event. Great idea. Um, and yeah. bring all the guests together and just like have that osmosis happen and, and everyone to meet each other. So, yeah. uh, so I'll, we did that I'll, I'll have you as a year. ghost for that. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
we did that last year um i think at the around march of 2021 uh, we did this one um summit um online virtual summit it, it was still mostly locked down and all of that mm-hmm. most countries not not the ue luckily um and uh, i had 70 of the boutique firms in the ecosystem um i asked them to cre- uh, sort of create a 60 minute webinar and i put all 70 webinars together and i had about 1800 people from across corporates and other uh, businesses across the middle east region come and attend and listen to those 70 firms we did it over 7 uh, days i think we did more than 80 90 talks workshops and things like that wow. all online yeah and um, uh, we have no event management experience uh so we created a website for it we did everything and it was it was great fun and i'd love to keep doing you know and it was a great way to connect um you know these boutique firms to their potential clients connect those clients to knowledge and expertise from the boutique firms it was brilliant and you had yeah. fun doing it uh, i mean that's the point right yeah. yeah i wanted to ask you because i know that comes very naturally to you um and we've talked about this before the 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 nodes of the network and how they they connect and and they've uh shown up in your life these you know nodes when you needed them the most and because of one conversation you had with person A at some point who knows person B and then completely changed your life yeah. how do you i wanted to ask you for for selfish reasons how do you manage your knowledge of who is what and where and what they're up to and keep in touch do you have a systemized process of keeping in touch with people that you meet and know yeah i try to have a system mm-hmm. i won't say we follow it all the time so in our case you know it's our it's our business so we have a model recruit onboard engage win deliver mm-hmm. uh, so we recruit a boutique firm into the ecosystem and then we have a uh, sort of using monday.com which is a project management tool yeah. um like asana uh, most people would know okay. asana yeah um so where we have a separate board for each of the boutique firms that we have and it's all searchable and they come in and tell us which industries they work in which um uh, you know um uh, which solutions they provide uh, who their main clients are and it's all searchable so if we need uh, we need somebody with experience in hospitality we just do a search hospitality and we get uh, you know to the right person and in our case you know we ask them to upload a resume there we ask them to uh, we ask them to create something called a 6660 which i think every every organization every small business especially should create what is that? a 6660 is uh, a pitch a proposal a, 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 a teaser a pitch and a proposal right so the uh, 60 seconds 6 minutes 60 minutes so a 6 second one page sort of um teaser so mm-hmm. when somebody asks you what you do um you know you can just send them a one pager nobody has more time than 60 seconds anyway that's like the elevator pitch right and then you have the 6 uh, minute document so when you meet them it's a 5 6 slide presentation which you can present to them after you've understood what they do and so on never pitch first right always ask mm-hmm. um, the person for the requirements and then you can make the pitch and then the 60 minute document is important uh, it's never sent out to anyone uh, but it is whenever you have a client who needs a proposal uh, you sort of uh, take that 60 minute document and pick slides from it to mm-hmm. use in the main proposal 
mm-hmm. right? So 6660. So the firms create the 6660. So we have a lot of data in our case that we sort of search and um, you know as needed the, as needed. Yeah. Um, there's many other ways to be honest. Like, um, well, what about someone like me? Like you know me. Am I on yeah. some system right now? Um, yeah. So that's where I think um, what we try our best to do. Yeah. Any boutique firm that we meet. Yeah. We try and onboard them into our ecosystem. When we recruit mm-hmm. them, they sign a network firm agreement with us. Yeah. Uh, next, they sort of go through that onboarding process. They yeah. fill this template and so on, right? We've actually stopped doing it temporarily because we're sort of shifting the model. But yeah. at some point, Naim, it was, I'm sure a lot of people were really annoyed with me. Whenever I would meet them, I would tell them, you know, if they yeah. were a boutique firm owner, of course, why don't you onboard into our ecosystem and... Uh, you Full know. sales pitch was on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, much more uh, in this case, you know, because we're not selling to them because um, they're not paying us anything, right? Yeah. So in this case, we're asking them to collaborate with us in the ecosystem. So our model, by the way, is success-based fee. So what we do is when we get a client um, from, uh, you know, and we help a boutique firm win a project with the client, uh, we have a certain margin where we sort of we oversee the projects most of the projects are overseen by us so it's also for the time and effort that we put in in overseeing the project the client knows us and trusts us so they need us to be there on the project right Um, in any case so what i want to create however right is something that you're talking about and there are various systems available for it but what i really want uh, honestly is a uh, is a wall in my office where i just you know here are the various cat and it should be a digital wall of course right? yeah 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 it shouldn't Otherwise, be a wall yeah no it'll fill up because pretty quick <laughs> with the way you network uh, that's one and second yeah. then i won't be able to make so for example naeem might fit in a marketing uh, yeah but also might fit in podcast right which is yeah. two completely different it's, things and so i've tried yeah. tried to come up with a crm like you yeah. know let's start with excel sheets like let's do yeah, that. yeah. it's the tagging right like you know yeah. every time you talk to a person you might have a new tag Right. And it's the the recall of that system should be able to bring you back that stuff that is most relevant for a given opportunity. Absolutely. Um, but I, I need someone to manage that, it for me. I don't want to do it myself. I don't exactly. That's, that's the thought. So I actually had on the wall in our first office in 2018. Yeah. I'd actually created that. Uh, and this was not a digital wall, of course. Yeah. And, you know, we had like 20 columns. Uh, and in each of those, we had the names of the boutique firms that we have in that space so that all of us could see it it shouldn't take us more than three minutes to find that firm yeah it's not sustainable if you do it if it's not digital yeah uh, but that wall um uh there are two uh, there was somebody um who came into our office he ran a larger consulting firm in uh, delhi and i think one of them he set up consolidon in delhi in southeast asia uh, which didn't work out another failure mm-hmm. uh, which is and the lesson from that is until your idea is fully formed and your model is fully formed don't try to franchise it right uh, but anyway so he went ahead and invested quite heavily in setting up consolid on southeast asia and the wall was one of the reasons by the way really um, yeah because you know you could see right there uh, what kind of value you're adding right mm-hmm. but yeah i would love to get some sort of a system like that up and running for myself yeah i need almost like an executive because assistant to manage all my like hey yeah. you know it's yeah. been 3 months since you last talked to this person like exactly would you like me to send like a text for you or yeah. you know should you leave a voice note or something like that i think yeah. 
that would be a, a game changer. But Vern, there's a lot of things I still do want to discuss. We haven't talked about learning and self-improvement. We haven't gone into the challenges that you have, uh, your favorite challenges, the ones that I've taught you the most. Um, I also wanted to check um, a few of your time management strategies because that is a constant battle, I'm sure, with prioritization. Um, I want to save that for round two because we definitely need to bring you back in. Um, but I do want to uh, do a real little rapid fire round with you before we start sure. start closing up. I'm, Sounds I'm trying, like fun. I'm trying a new thing on the podcast, so yeah. you'll be you'll be guest number two that's tried this. So let's start like here: ice cream or gelato? Gelato. Yeah. Any day. Yeah. <laughs> Any day. Okay. Exciting flexibility that leads to volatile results or boring consistency that leads to sure results just repeat that very quickly it's a it's a mouthful so yeah exciting flexibility that leads to volatile results or boring consistency that leads to sure results boring consistency for me i knew it okay watching tv or attending a live concert watching tv yeah if you weren't living in Dubai, except if um, you know I have the best tickets in the live concert, you know those premium VIP tickets, then yeah, I'll yeah. go for the live concert. It's kind of like home. <laughs> if it's like that, yeah, absolutely. If you yeah. weren't living in Dubai or in India, where would you be? Italy, Italy, and hence the gelato. It all makes sense now. Have you yeah. been there uh, several times? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Okay, I'll catch you there if you ever move. <laughs> uh, the one business book you think every business owner should read. I don't read business books. No business books. Good. Yeah. But but I That's can recommend one uh, because it's written by a friend and I uh, he's a mentor. Yeah, let's plug it. What's his uh, against name? Against the Odds, John okay. Burness. I feel like I've heard about this. Against the Odds by? John uh, Burness. How do you spell his last name? B-U-R-N-E-S-S. All right. Okay. So if you were to stop running your current businesses, if you weren't a business person at all, what would you be doing? No, I think I'd be a business person. No. If I had yeah. a gun to your head and I said you can ever you can't ever run a business. Um Yeah, I'd be running an NGO. So it wouldn't be a business, but it would still be my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. You like that independence? Yeah, for sure. It's a, okay. Um I think you partially answered this. Um but big global giant consultancy or small boutique consultancy? And I'm going to take a guess at the answer before hearing yours, but like neither. Yeah. It's like you're going for that tectonic shift in how. Yeah, but uh, look, these are both of them. At. Both of them add a lot of value. Um, global consultancies, they're amazing organizations. You know, some of them give employment to 200,000 people. Right. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, I would prefer that any day to a small boutique consulting firm. But there are lots of problems with that model, which need to be solved as well. Um so uh, global consultancy yeah yeah but not not for me but it's a better model it's a better business model yeah well right. it, whatever these rapid fire questions whatever comes to mind first is your gut gut talking right so of course and then the logical brain kind of explains it uh, later on but it's been so much fun having you. I think the part that I love about you or when I first met you for coffee that day, uh, it, it, it rung true today as well. The fact that you're, you never, you never seem to be giving up ever. I feel like you are 
smiling and persevering through all the pain and the challenges um and maybe even you know sadistically asking for more because <laughs> i think it helps you it's fun yeah. yeah i think you found you found the fun in it and that's that's why i think we connect because you know i don't look at challenges as something negative it's just like we're talking about puzzles it's another game right yeah. like is is that true for you too like it's just like another game to play and um i've got so much here in terms of notes your your story about the the jack ma um your insights about um the coaches and mentors and the advisors um the fact even the small things that you said like you know you said in passing that your job description probably changes by the week um just having insights like that the 6660 the whole model and how you think a business i think it's been extremely valuable for me so thank you so much for that um i hope we can do this again i'll be booking around too with you before we close off is there anything you want to tell the audience any message that you have for new business owners or small business owners or large business owners any message you want to give to them or in general yeah first thanks a lot for having me i mean it was great great fun and uh, yeah keep persisting i think um, uh, this one guy sent me a message on linkedin and said that he's writing a book called the one golden nugget uh, he's a great marketing guy you should definitely look him up mm-hmm. um and he said what's your one golden nugget and and he collected that from about 1000 people and put it in his book that's all his book has by the way golden nuggets from ceos mm-hmm. and uh, it's sort of like your podcast but short uh, shorter yeah. and uh, and he's made a thousand connections brilliant isn't it amazing yeah yeah it's uh, smart course. and and i remember him now right yeah um so that one golden nugget which i gave him which i'll say again now yeah. keep persisting so nice and you've noticed that as well i think i've 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 done that quite a lot over the last few years i think so i think if you were given a, a charge of a billboard on shake zaid road that's what it would say it would I say think so. keep persisting yeah absolutely <laughs> thanks man thanks for that golden nugget too and Thank i hope you. we can do this soon yeah absolutely thanks all right thanks for tuning in hope you enjoyed that conversation please do share this episode with someone you think will enjoy it as much as you did to find out who else will be coming on or to recommend someone i should talk to please follow my instagram it's at my first business podcast or go to the website myfirstbusinesspodcast.com and that's all folks 